When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm in New York to cover the Penguins playing the Rangers twice at the Garden. Tonight here, Saturday here. And I have absolutely no idea what to expect. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It is Penguins versus Rangers tonight. 7.08 p.m. face-off at the Garden. No idea. None. Who's going to be in goal? Who should be in goal? Think about that for a second. Think about the fact that we're in the middle of March. The Penguins are sitting in a wild card spot. Anything but solid for getting into the playoffs, let alone what they might do in the playoffs. And they can't conceivably know who they'd want to start in goal. Because if you put Tristan Jari in and he does what he's done the last couple of times out, Well, okay, two out of three the last time's out, because even that's inconsistent. You're taking a pretty big gamble. If you put Casey DeSmith out there, he's still an NHL backup. He tries really hard and everything else. You don't have to wonder about the effort. You don't have to wonder about the focus. You don't have to wonder about the toughness. But you do have to wonder whether or not a backup is going to be best suited to beat somebody else's Vezina Trophy winner, because Igor Shesterkin is going to be starting absolutely for New York. You have no idea what you're going to get from the blue line. And that's really not anyone's fault. Dmitry Kulikov was placed on LTIR yesterday. Jan Ruda is down. Jeff Petrie's down. There's going to be a whole lot of ragtagging, this and that just to put six of them out there. And that's to say nothing of setting aside Brian Dumoulin as a liability, even when he's whatever passes for healthy. Up front, you pretty much know what you're going to get from the top six. They've been terrific. But even they can't whip up enough goals to outscore the other team when the other team is routinely dropping four, five, and six on you. And when one of those lines is anchored by Jeff Carter, and boy, do I mean anchored in the proper sense of the term, you're guaranteeing that you're going to give up a goal or two just for his presence, just for his being on the rink and his being completely unable slash unwilling to defend. But you know what? Even that isn't the part that would drive me the most nuts entering this scenario. Because you can live 
with player lapses. You can live with uh, physical mistakes. You can live with a lot when it comes to execution, even this time of year. What's so difficult to digest are the decisions themselves, you know? Of all major team sports, it's possible that hockey has the fewest controllable variables from the standpoint of coaching slash strategy. Too many things happen too quickly, too chaotically. So all a coach can do, really, if you get right down to it, is put into place philosophies, to an extent a system for how to react to a certain situation, and a a mindset that ideally allows the collective to be proactive instead of sitting back and waiting for things. But listen to what I just said and what a word puddle that was. There's not a whole lot they can do for the most part, but they can absolutely easily control who's on the ice and who isn't. And I'm sorry to keep coming back to this Carter thing again and again and again. But when you look at it as as a symbol for the way Mike Sullivan's approaching these games right now, you still can't get past the simple concept that there's something more important at hand than winning the game. And that blows my mind because I know how much this man loves to win. I know how much he hates to lose. So I can't begin to fathom why you would continuously assign the NHL's worst defensive forward, arguably the NHL's worst overall forward, regardless of cap constraints and roster limitations and everything else, to certain specific situations on the rink that you know, you absolutely know he won't help you in. And more likely than not, he's going to hurt you in. Can someone, anyone, please tell me why you would send Carter over the boards for a defensive zone faceoff at this point? Because he might win the draw? Eh. He hasn't been so great on face-offs for a while now. That was pretty much the last good thing he had to offer the team. But even if the face-off is won, he's still out there. He's still going to be a negative in terms of getting you all the way out of your zone. And then once you do get all the way out of your zone, if you do, he's not going to get you through the neutral zone. He's the least likely forward to do that, and he's definitely not going to contribute anything toward keeping the puck in the attacking zone. So what are you doing? Are you pretending he's a matchup center? Are you pretending in general? And how, again, for the love of God, is this a higher priority, meaning figuring out some usage for Carter, than winning the game? This is why these should be, these two games that I'm here to cover should be this massive deal. The drive to get into the playoffs, they just beat this team on Sunday, but then they go and they wet the bed again two nights later against the tanking Canadians. And all of these things that I just discussed came into play. How do you just 
mind wipe that and say, let's do it again and just let's bring back all that goodness from Sunday. How do you do that? What are they doing? What are they doing? When we come back, J1Q. comes from BJ who says is the NHL considering or would the league consider adding Jeff Carter's five on five shifts to the Penguins penalty kill statistics and if they did would it help or hurt their PK numbers that's actually pretty good I, I've act, I've used uh, the terminology that the Penguins have to kill off a Carter shift at times uh, on our live files on DK Pittsburgh sports and sometimes there's people who don't get what I'm talking about but when you see a minus four from him when you see a minus four from Brian Dumoulin, but especially the one from Carter, not because I'm going out of my way to pick on him, but because it was four goals against on 14 total shifts. He had 10 shifts in that game in which he didn't give up a goal. And before anybody starts getting squeamish about, he didn't give that goal up, Jari did, somebody else did, whatever. If you're one of the six individuals out there, five skaters and the goaltender, you don't necessarily carry an equal burden for every goal, but you aren't helping. Okay? And when you're on the bottom six, when you're one of those lines that isn't supposed to be scoring, you've got one job and one job alone. And the next time that he acts like he's a defensive forward, in my eyes, will be the first. He's never adjusted anything to his age. It's almost as if he still thinks he's 24 years old with the Kings and is out there to just score. Because if we're being honest here, the defensive lapses that he's had don't have anything to do with age. They don't have anything to do with uh, Carter losing the great speed that he once had. They're just blown assignments. They're, they're miscasting yourself. As a player, there's been no matriculation whatsoever from one role to the next. And neither he nor, strangely enough, his head coach seemed to want to accept that, much less act on it. This isn't a small thing. This isn't scapegoating. This isn't me trying to just turn everything into one guy. And this isn't me ignoring that Jari gave up four goals on seven shots and got yanked again. Or that any number of other things went wrong in that Montreal fiasco. I'm not blind to those things. But I'm talking now about this. Because this strikes me as being symptomatic of a much larger issue with this team. Where there is zero accountability. The players aren't accountable for their mistakes unless they're young. The coaches because of Sullivan's long-term contract, aren't really all that accountable to the general manager and the president of hockey operations who don't have contracts as long as Sullivan's. Ron Hextall isn't accountable because the next thing with which he and Brian Burke disagree will be the first. Burke isn't accountable because he would really have to answer directly to ownership. And I'm not sure the Fenway Sports Group even knows where Pittsburgh is on a map, much less giving two cents about the fortunes of the hockey team. No accountability at any 
level at all. That's how this happens. That's how this Carter thing happens. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We will do another one of these tomorrow from here in New York. 